following message is from New Life Gillette series, Energy Source. This week, Pastor Mike presents part five of this series. Good morning. Oh man, it is good to see you this morning. Good to see you seniors, all eyes on you today. Good job. I think a couple of them are lights lit up on the wall over here. This is our salvation wall. We've put a light. Yeah. And so we are celebrating uh, the seniors today and celebrating their journey in pursuing God and following God for the rest of their lives. We're in a series right now all about energy and, and power and strength. Primarily, we're talking about as Christians, what does it look like for us to have kind of a deeper energy, a deeper strength that comes from somewhere other than the place that everybody else gets strength and energy. Today, we're going to talk about being a part of a team. Specifically, we're going to be talk, talking about what does it look like for us to be part of God's team or part of God's community, and how do we participate in that community, and how does that community build us up and help us to have energy and strength and courage to carry on when we feel like quitting. Is anybody, did anybody here, were you ever a uh, goth growing up? We got any goths in the room? No? What, we got one goth. I, re, I see one hand. Brave individual. Uh, because, wow, apparently we're a bunch of jocks and stuff in here. I don't know. Nerds, whatever we are, prep, whatever we were. I don't even know what they call them now. They use different words, but it's all the same stuff, right? I was never a goth. I always, uh, I always respected goths. I never was cool enough to be a goth. I, I did sag my pants one time at the county fair, and I thought I was pretty cool. But other than that, I looked at the goths from the outside looking in, and I'm like, they're, the way that they all like look the same, they dress in all black, and they're all cool and all that, and I'm like, that takes some dedication, doesn't it, to be a part? And so I, have, I grew up with a couple goths. In fact, one of my good friends to this day, I think, would consider himself a goth, or I don't know what word, emo or whatever you say. And... Um, and one time I asked him, I was like, what, why? What, what's the motivation here? And in his own way, in his own rebellious way, he kind of talked about how these people just get me, right? The, the, my crew, my friends, they just get me. They understand me. So uh, we put on all the black so we kind of can gravitate toward each other because we get each other. We can relate to each other. We can talk to each other. And what I realized eventually in this conversation is it's all about community, He's looking for a community of people who he can relate to, he can be a part of, they can build fellowship, and they are smart enough to realize, hey, if we all wear the same thing, we can find each other. I think we're wise to do this, right? I'm going to start wearing the uniform. I'm going to start wearing the whatever it is so that my people know who I am, so that we can kind of gravitate toward each other. This is why I'm a big Chiefs fan. I don't know if you grew up going to sporting events or not, but I grew up going to Arrowhead Stadium where they tailgate. They, I mean, everybody's wearing something that it shows that you're a Chiefs fan, right? It, it, there's no doubt in your mind that you are at a Chiefs game when you look around because everybody looks like a bunch of idiots, but we're idiots together. We love each other, right? We, we support each other and we're there for each other when we're down and when we're hurting and we're there for each other to celebrate when we win, which when I was growing up didn't happen that often, but we got a bunch of bandwagon jumpers in here today. You're not this, no. Bandwagon jumpers, you, don't, you never experienced this if you didn't do it in the downtimes. 
It's the same reason I think a lot of people join biker gangs. You know, they have a specific look, don't they? You look at somebody, you're like, okay, Harley, dude, get it. And you can just look at some people and realize what group they're a part of. And we love this. It helps us to build community. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved and appreciated. So we're walking slowly through the book of Colossians in this series. And today we're in the second half of Colossians chapter three, where it says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy. Since, since God chose you, since you're part of his group, you must clothe yourself in a certain way. How should you clothe yourself? You should clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's your clothes. Christians, this is who we are. This is what we should look like. And did you know God chose you? Life isn't you versus God. I got to be good enough, pass some tests, get into the club. If I, if I act morally enough or show up to church enough or whatever, tithe enough or whatever, I, I, I'm in the club. Me versus God. If I can just convince him. Nope. He chose you. He pursued you. He adopted you. He went after you. I have a friend who was adopted and he likes to tell a story about one time when he was in a kid in school and uh, one of his friends was making fun of him because he was adopted. And this was his response. My parents chose you, me, your parents were stuck with you. Well, God chose you. Now you can choose to reject him and say, no, I don't want to be adopted. I want to remain an orphan, but who wants to be an orphan? Not me. Luckily, the perfect heavenly father said, I want you. And he chose you. Then Paul tells us how God's children, those adopted by him, dress. What do they look like? It's Jesus' clothing. And then he starts listing some of the fruit of the spirit. He says, they're merciful, they're kind, they're humble and gentle and patient. What else? They make allowances for each other's faults. They're not judgmental. And they forgive anyone who offends them. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Be like your heavenly father. Dress like him. Be a part of his team. Your earthly dad may have screwed up. Maybe he wasn't the greatest dad and didn't set a great example, but your heavenly dad is perfect. So be like him. How do we do that? We love people. That's God, right? That's his characteristic. You love people. You forgive people. You don't expect people to be perfect. You make allowances for their faults. And then he says, above all, clothe yourself with love, Christian, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Above all, it's the supreme ethic, love. And this isn't some cute romantic love where we love each other as long as we're attracted to each other. This isn't some even brotherly love that's just 
there because we happen to be born into the same family. This is agape, unconditional, fierce, I will die for my enemies, love. Jesus, love. So the question is then, do we? Do we love like that? When people look at us, do they see love? It is, is that the characteristic that defines us above everything else? When somebody looks at the way you live your life, the way you drive down the street, the way you stand in line at Walmart, the way you give your money, the way you spend your money on yourself, the way you, whatever you do, when people look at you, do you say, I think the defining character of that person is love. I can just look at them and tell that's a Christian because only Christians can love that well. Only Christians can love their enemies like that. That should be our defining characteristic, Paul says. You can tell a lot by looking at the way somebody dresses, but by what they wear. For example, you look at somebody wearing this, what do you think? Oh, man, sinner. What did he do? Probably a thief, rapist, murderer. Yeah, but, and I was like, baby, 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 oh, like, baby, baby, baby. That's no murderer. That's a heartthrob. That's Justin Bieber. He made an assumption about what he was wearing, but, yeah, he's more than that. We make a lot of assumptions about people by looking at the, what they wear. What do you see when you, you see somebody wearing this? You're all, you're, oh, man, businessman, probably super wealthy, probably a stockbroker or something. Yeah, but, oh, face tattoo. Now my judgment about this person has just totally switched. The apostle Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with sacrificial love. And in doing so, we allow people to identify us as children of God, as people of forgiveness, as people of kindness and humility. So when you see a kind, humble person in your life, is the first thought that you have, oh, that must be a Christian. It should be. This is who we've been called to be. So identifiable by the way that we love each other that you should expect that if somebody is loving in an extreme way, you should expect that's a Christian. Paul says this, verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. In other words, when you're a Christian, you're, you're no longer just a representative of you. You're no longer just carrying your repre rep reputation. You are now part of something much bigger than you. And everywhere you walk, you represent the church. You represent Christ. You represent new life. You represent your Christian brothers and sisters. So represent us well. Do well to spread the good news of love in the way you love other people. Clothe yourself in love because you represent Christ, represent him well. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill 
completely fill, cover, consume. Let it fill your lives. Don't give Jesus just part of your life. Don't don't make him the Lord of one of the closets on Sunday mornings of your life. No, you make him Lord of everything. He already knows more about you than you know about yourself. He knows every little hidden detail. You're hiding nothing from God. You cannot be good enough to earn your way into his holy club. He knows it all. So why are you trying to hide? Why are you trying to section and say, God can have this, but I'm going to kind of hold on to this, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep just dividing up my life into different pieces? That just makes you less effective. And he says, give it all to him. Let him fill your life. Let him come in and change you. Have you ever heard the word athleisure? Anybody heard the word athleisure? Be honest. Okay, we got a couple people. I had never heard of the word athleisure until I read about it in a book. Athleisure is a description of athletic clothing that is nice enough that you can wear in public. Like, you, it's athletic clothing, clothing that you can go to the gym in, but you can also wear it to a fancy job or maybe even a date or something. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there has been a huge rise in yoga pants in our world. Have you noticed? Lots of yoga pants. So the other day I was reading, reading about athleisure and they said that actual yoga has not grown at all. But yoga, yoga pants skyrocketed in popularity. Why is that? Why, why are yoga pants more adopted in our lives than actual yoga? Two reasons. Number one, appearance. It's stylish. It's the fad, right? It looks good. Girls, girls are wearing yoga pants. I guess guys, I don't know if guys wear yoga pants or whatever what you call it. It just looks good. It's kind of like wearing spurs without having a horse. Or leather chaps. You're trying to look the part. Or it's like wearing sunglasses inside. Not for function whatsoever. Don't need the sunglasses inside, but man, do I look cool. Just call me Joe Biden. It's not for function. It's just pure fashion. I'm playing a part. I want to look a certain way, and people are going to think I'm cool for it. Or they do it for comfort. I don't know what famous person decided to make it cool to wear sweatpants in public. Now, a lot of you are like, wait, I wore sweatpants in public. It wasn't cool yet. Now it's cool. They tightened up the bottoms, whatever you do, like jogger. There you go. Now it's cool. Now you can do it. So I'm saying thank you to whoever that is. I'm loving it. They say, I'm here for it. I'm here for that trend. I'm jumping on. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to wear sweatpants on stage, but you'll see me at Walmart wearing sweatpants now because it's cool. Another reason why people dress certain ways is for comfort. This, this, is, this is just great sweatpants. I think a lot of people think of Christianity the same way people think about yoga pants. As long as it's fashionable and comfortable, I'll wear it. 
As long as it's the popular thing to do, and as long as I'm not going to get criticized at Walmart for wearing it, I'll wear my Christianity. I'll wear it publicly. As long as it's comfortable and it doesn't require me to get out of my comfort zone, it doesn't require me to rust, like make anybody upset or anything, I'll wear my Christianity. But as soon as it gets uncomfortable, hide it away. Put it in a closet, forget it's there. Something recently happened in the Christian church in America that we're, we're seeing more and more of that's quite disturbing. And it's that COVID-19 revealed that there were a lot of people who were coming to church because it was fashionable and comfortable. And then what happened when COVID-19 hit was all those people who were wearing the yoga pants but not doing yoga disappeared. They quit showing up. They quit participating. It was part of their life that they could just kind of move on past. COVID-19 made it uncomfortable. I got out of the habit. I'm just going to move on. The church part of my life, the Christian part of my life, that can become a part of my past. I'm moving on. And it revealed that the back couple rows, not literally, but just kind of said, eh, take it or leave it. I think I'll leave it. And as a result, a lot of Christians, self-labeled Christians, and our culture just kind of stepped away. So in a way, it was kind of healthy because it kind of revealed the ones who were actually Christians. But in a way, it was quite harmful. And for those of us who care about the growth of the kingdom, which I hope is all of us, it was a little painful to watch. And so I feel a new calling on my life, a new mission on my life to not just make sure that all of us here are not just doing it because of the appearance and the comfort, but that we are here because we are sold out on fire, children of God, on a mission called for something greater than just showing up because it's fun or because it's comfortable or because it's popular. I'm giving myself to this, not so that I can get something from it, but so that I can give something to it. This is what Paul says about that. He says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Oh, too quick. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, however you act, whatever you say, Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So wear yoga pants and actually do yoga. Don't just pretend. Don't don't just play a game. He's talking to the church here. And he's saying, hey, you should get together and you should teach God's wisdom. You, You should get together and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You should get together and support each other. You should get together and give thanks to God. Do you know what that getting together is called? We do it every week. You're doing it right here. That's church. That is our version of what Paul is commanding in this passage. It's church. And we say whatever church looks like, 
It's taken a lot of different forms throughout Christian history. That's fine. I'm in. I'm going to obey that command. I'm going to be a part of the church. You know, recently I was, uh, we've been doing some research into who's watching our services online. And in the past, I've kind of had a little bit of a, when COVID hit, our online viewership just skyrocketed. And we have way more people watching online than we ever did before. And I always thought that that's a bunch of people who just don't want to show up to church because they'd rather sit on their couch. And the more we've researched it, we actually figured out it's actually a lot of people who are just looking for a way to get to church who can't otherwise get to church. Did you know our third uh, largest viewing area of our church online on Sunday mornings is from the Salt Lake City area? The third highest region that watch our service on Sunday mornings is the Salt Lake City area. And if you know a little bit about the churches in Salt Lake City, that can kind of make a little bit of sense. We've got a, obviously our highest viewing area is Campbell County. Usually it's people who live outside of town. Second highest is actually the Denver area. And we've got a list of probably eight churches, or I mean eight cities that are every single week have regular viewers who tune in and watch our services. So to you guys watching online, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for going out of your way and making this a priority, making this a part of your worship routine. But I also want to say, if you have the opportunity to do the other things that Paul commands us to do in this Colossians passage, to fellowship, to get, get together and sing with people and to share wisdom with one another, don't neglect that. Get in a life group wherever you are. If you want us to help you create a life group in the city that you're watching from, gather together a group of people and start a life group where you are and participate in what Paul describes as this beautiful thing we call church. The apostle Paul has just told us, hey, you should be a part of the church. You should be a part of the group. And in doing so, you should love well. You should represent well in the way you live your life. And then Paul is gonna get more specific now. And he's going to dive into some specifics of what does it look like for a Christian to love well, to represent Christ well. And his first example he gives for this kind of love is he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You know, marriage is a submission competition. If you find two people who are trying to give more, who are trying to support more, who are trying to love more, like have a competition. Who can submit the most? You're going to find an awesome marriage. Because so often our marriages turn into this, uh, we're keeping score. Who's doing more? Who's doing more chores? Who's taking care of the kids more? Who's earning more money? Who's doing, being more successful in life? And, and marriage becomes a competition. Well, they're actually, I think, a competition in a marriage that can actually make it better. Those things will kill it. But if you want to make a marriage better, have a competition to see who can sacrifice more, who can submit to the other one more often, defer to the other one more often, and you will see a good marriage. Because Jesus tells us that we are the bride, his bride. We are the wives of Christ. We are to submit, to love, to give ourselves. So we submit. And then he says, husbands, Love your wives. This this word love here is the agape love, the sacrificial, unconditional 
I'll give you my life, love. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. There is a difference in the church between legalistic rules and Christian wisdom. Right before this, Paul tells us to teach each other God's what? Wisdom. Teach the wisdom, he says. And I appreciate the distinction between obeying God's laws and following God's wisdom. And this list that we're reading is a list of wise advice about things that will allow you to love better, to love more sacrificially. This is wisdom. He says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Love, sacrifice, even when it's unjust, even when they don't do right to you, love anyway. Outsiders will use this passage to say, see, Paul condoned slavery. No, he's saying, even if you are a slave, love anyway, respect anyway, submit anyway. We even love our enemies. He's giving a principle that says, this is what incredible lengths we should take our love to. Agape love, even if it requires you to give your life love that much. We could never obey all of God's laws. I mean, they tried for forever, forever, right? Like hundreds of years of generations of Israelites trying to obey God's laws, couldn't do it. But we can definitely see some principles in the way Jesus taught us that will help us pursue him and love each other. And we can do that. Not perfectly, but we can pursue that. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your hearts as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance. We need this encouragement. At some point, we start reading all this list of things that we need to do and we need to sacrifice more. We need to give more. We need to love more. And then he gives us some encouragement. He says, you will receive an inheritance. There's going to be a reward for it. Do it well and you will be blessed. Receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. This is a principle that I think goes deeper than a list of rules. It's all about honor. Honor people. That's the principle. Have you ever read the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible? You're reading the book of Exodus and it's this epic story of these superheroes that are doing incredible things and, and God's doing magic tricks and all. It's a blast reading the book of Exodus. And then you get to the middle of the book of Exodus and all of a sudden you hit a bunch of rules. And it's like this long list of do's and don'ts and ceremonies and all the other, and you're like, what happened? You just ruined the book here, God. You were doing good and then you just flopped. <laughs> 
But if you ever look at that long list of rules in the second half of the book of Exodus, what you'll see is the first command that is given in this list of commands is actually from a guy named Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And he gives him some advice about how to live his life better and about some things that he can change that'll make him better at life. And what's the motivation of this command or this advice that Jethro gives? He's saying, hey, the way you're doing it isn't gonna lead anywhere good. Make some changes. I got a better way. Here's my advice. Moses adopts the advice and everything improves. And that is the tone that we see all throughout the rest of the book of Exodus. Some advice. Listen, your life will be better if, fill in the blank. You get a long list of rules. The most famous of this list of rules is a list of 10, the 10 commandments. And one of the 10 commandments, and it's, it's surprising that this is listed right alongside adultery and murder and stealing. But right alongside that, lo- that list of rules, there's this one. He says, honor your father and mother. And there's an immediate pushback many of us have when we read this command. Okay, God, I get it. Don't murder and don't steal. That's kind of universally true. But my dad sucks. What do you mean honor my father? My dad is a horrible dad. Or I know people who have horrible dads. But I have come to believe with all my heart that God blesses us when we honor people who are not worthy of honor. When you honor your slave driver, honor people who are not worthy of honor. Peter said, honor everyone. That's a long list. I don't know if you've tried to list everyone on a piece of paper lately, but that's a long list. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. So love those around you. Fear God or respect God. And then he says, honor the emperor. This seems out of line here, Peter. This all up here sound Christianese. Down here, why? What does this do? He just took it to the supreme. Who's the emperor? Probably Nero when he writes this. We don't know exactly. I don't know if you know much about Nero. Nero's not exactly a good guy. He's like a murderer. He's a horrible human being. And people tell, Peter tells us to honor terrible people. And that's what sets Christians apart. That's the type of love we have. That's the type of crazy, irrational, illogical love that we're commanded to have. Wear honor. Make it your reputation. Then what will happen? Honor your father and mother. Then he gives a promise. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He's talking to the Israelites here. He's talking about the promised land that is ahead of them but we can see the principle that carries on to us. If you honor your parents, your life will be better and you'll be better at life. Even if they aren't good parents, you will be better if you obey this honor principle. The apostle Paul reworded this command that we read in the book of Exodus. And he, when he quotes it, he says this, if you honor your father and mother, 
things will go well for you. Jesus will make your life better and he'll make you better at life. And you will have a long life on the earth. So Paul takes this promise that the Israelites have, been, have received about the promised land and he applies that promise to us. You will live a long life on earth. Honor your parents. In this world, I believe we can pretty much determine if anything is right or wrong just by asking the question, is it honoring? If I do that thing, is it honoring? And this is true with everything from, is it honoring to take that toy from my brother? That's a real life example from my house. All the way to, is it honoring for me to cheat on my wife? Is it honoring? Is it right or wrong? I don't know. Is it honoring? Who does it honor for you to do that thing? If it doesn't honor it, then it's bad. Avoid it. Run the other way. You're not representing Christ well. It's not a long list of rules. It's a simple principle. We call it the honor principle. Is it honoring to gossip? Is it honoring to steal? Is it honoring to cheat? No. Under the old covenant, sin was breaking a rule. Sin was going against a list. Under the new covenant, sin is falling short of honor, of supreme love. In our house, until my sons get a little bit older, we've dumbed down this principle a little bit. Instead of saying the honor principle, we say to my kids, our rule is kindness. Every time they do something they shouldn't do. I say, Lincoln, what is our rule? Kindness. What's our rule? Kindness. That's our rule. Ask yourself, is what I'm about to do kind? Is making that mess on the floor without picking it up kind to my mom? No. It's not kind. That's how we decide. Do you have a New Life bumper sticker on your car? Anybody got a New Life bumper sticker on your car? We got them in Purchase Project. You can have one. Take one. Put it on your car. Now, now think, I have a New Life bumper sticker on my car. Am I a, an aggressive driver? What are my driving habits? So then, if you say, yes, I got a bumper sticker on my car. Two, yes, I am an aggressive driver. The, you have two options now. You either take the bumper sticker off or you choose to stop being an aggressive driver. You either stop representing new life or you say, I'm going to change my habits. Is it kind for me to cut that person off in traffic? Probably not. The Christian clothing is love. It's not always that fashionable. It's not always that comfortable. But the Christian clothing is love. And we wear it no matter what. Because we represent Christ. Everywhere we go, Everything we do, we represent Christ, so we wear him well. Seniors, some of you may be going away to college or starting a job, and in your life, you have the opportunity now to wear God well, to represent him well. Same thing is true about all of us. You're in a specific season that is going to be a little bit harder. Wherever you're going, you're going to be tempted to, to do whatever they're doing or go along with whatever they say. But don't do it because it's fashionable or because it's comfortable. Wear Christ well. Sacrificially love. 
Because the same is true about all of us. Most of us have just had some more experience and we've decided to hide our Christian clothing. We put it in a drawer and we only pull it out on Sunday mornings. Some of us have decided, nope, that's not good enough. I'm going all out. I'm putting all my chips in. I'm leaving the bumper sticker on my car and I'm telling the world, hey, I'm a Christian. And I may screw up and I'm not gonna do it right all the time. And I'm going to fail to love more often maybe than I don't fail to love. But I'm going to do everything I can to surprise people by how well I can love people who don't deserve my love. I'm going to go out of my way and represent Christ well. God, I thank you for the calling that you've given us on our lives. The mission that you've called us to. To bring your love to this world to bring heaven to earth in the way that we sacrificially love each other. God, help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ well. Help us to love those outside the church well. And help us to love our enemies well. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.